big, I know it. Think of the Lion King when you're holding him that way. <laughs> Everything the light touches, little guy. <laughs> uh, so we introduced that. I think I've told you that already. We introduced that to the boys. Did I tell you all that? I'll turn it off. We introduced just the opening song to the boys because I really don't want them to see Simba's. I don't want to see Mufasa getting trampled yet. I don't want to put that nightmare in their heads quite yet. There'll be a time for it. Not yet. Not yet. They're four and two. We don't need that yet. All kinds of things for them to worry about besides me getting trampled by buffalo. Um, but, but we uh, showed them the opening scene and they were like, no, we want to watch truck videos. We want to watch truck videos. And I was like, no, just please watch this for me. Please just watch it. So right when it comes on, both of them are just, oh. And both of them start watching it. And right when it's over, they're still looking at the screen. It was just like on YouTube, the opening one. They were like, do it one more time, please. <laughs> so we did it again. And then later we caught them with their lion animals. Singing the song terribly. Like everybody else. No one knows the real words of that song. Like everyone's first yell of that song sounds wrong. You know? It only sounds good to you when you sing it. Like, oh, I'm singing it exactly like that African tribe would have been doing it. That's incorrect. But they were doing it extra poorly while Tovin was holding a lion animal. Like, it was like the coolest thing ever. But anyway, that's... You got it, bud. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, man. So, so I wanted to tell you, Drew, also, let's keep it on you guys for a second. Last week, man, thanks for doing that. More than, more than a few people have been like, you should have been there for that. I was like, well, I know. That's kind of the, you know. But uh, Lily listened to it the other day. I called while she was listening to it. She's like, this is, this is great. I'm just going to sit here for a while kind of maybe do dishes and do this. And I was like, hey, do your thing. So anyway, thanks for that, man. I'm glad you were here to, to lead. Um, let's, let's turn to two different passages, uh, Luke 5 and Matthew 11. But while we're turning there, they're going to be on the screen too. So, you know, your eye device or whatever you have or your Bible. Um, but I wanted to ask you, in some of your favorite stories of Jesus, some of your favorite stories of him interacting with people, I just want us to get kind of the wide swath of people he interacted with. So what are some of your favorite interactions and who is Jesus talking to? Like, describe that person. So, go. The woman at the well. The woman at the well. What is, describe the woman. Um, probably the town prostitute of sorts, or at least in terms of being passed around. She was very devalued and had to come out to get water at a time when no one else would be there so that she wouldn't have to face for Nice. Okay. That's a good one. I guess they're all going to be good ones, I suppose. That's weird to say. Good one. Oh, that was fine. That person was very, you know, sorry. <laughs> Anyone else? <laughs> Nice, okay. Describe, describe. Describe, describe. The reason I... So, the reason I like the story the most is because... I could be wrong, but... I think it's the only time I remember where Jesus tells someone, he's like, you're not far from the kingdom. And it's the idea of someone being in process or in transit of wrestling with the question and approaching God, where a lot of times when I've been in church, it's like, you're in, out. Right. But... Not necessarily um, a lot of attention is given to the 
versus someone like me in between. Right. Who maybe was close and stepped away and was trying to figure it out, or was far away and is getting close to trying to figure it out. So I thought right. it was interesting when he says you're, you know, you're not far from the kingdom. Close. Yeah. That is cool. It's a good reason to like that story. Yeah. I'm intrigued by this. What else? I have one while you're thinking about yours. <laughs> he comes to, uh, this isn't one of the stories we're going to talk about now, but he lands on a boat in this new place, and he's greeted by someone possessed by many demons, and the person's naked and harming themselves and screaming in like weird voices. That one's fun and very strange, <laughs> right? The welcome he gets to a place is a, a, a naked, harmed, bleeding, possessed man that lives in, where does he live? Does anyone remember? Lives in like the cemetery. <laughs> it's a little bit weird. And is screaming, just like yelling. Comes up to him and is like, don't. And he's the only one that notices him too, which is crazy. The only person in that town that's like there to greet and excited, not excited, it's excitable about Jesus being there is this possessed man. And Jesus spends time with him and like, you know, throws the demons out into pigs. They all go down the mountain. Very interesting story. I didn't know that could happen. It's pretty cool. And then uh, the guy later is sitting in his right mind just learning from Jesus and wants to just like cling to him the whole time. He wants to go with him. He's like, no, 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 I'm going with you. He's like, no, tell everyone what happened here. They know you. You're the, you know, the cemetery guy. <laughs> just talk about the good I've done for you here. And he, he does. It's beautiful. Jesus spends a lot of time with this with a crazy person. Right? Great. Oh, I like it so much. What else? Who else did he spend time with that was intriguing? One of my favorites was with the children. Like, this was like a few days before his crucifix. They were like, even his disciples were like, Jesus, you gotta stop. So just playing with kids. You're way too fun. (laughs) We gotta go, you know, bring the kingdom to Jerusalem. No, just play with these kids. This is the kingdom. Do just that. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we forget a part of that story that's so powerful is that kids didn't have the same value as they do now. Now it would be cute for this religious leader to get tackled by a bunch of kids playing, you know, whatever game. There it's not really the same. You know, you bring your kids to get blessed by Jesus. They're not even like people till a certain time. And then a lot of times it would just be the boy kids would be people earlier. I mean, was the way. So... To have him playing with a bunch of kids and, and blessing them and spending time was a big deal. That's why the disciples even said, hey, we, are you sure, did, did you forget that there's other like, real people to see? That there's people with actual lives to deal with? These are just kids. They don't matter for a while. You know what I mean? Kind of, kind of interesting. What else? A few more. We have time. Okay. He leaves sad. Oh, I know. Heartbroken that that was the call, which is unfortunate. That, that he was so, and so young to be wealthy, because it says young. It means he was probably extremely young. And to be able to be in a place of authority and to be so wealthy and young and then to be heartbroken because you know you're not going to do what was asked. Oh. Yeah. What else? 
Who else did you just encounter? Some of your favorite stories. We'll do two more. Yeah, we don't want anything and, to do with this. Uh, and the son has to get up there. Just like and he's, it seems like he's like middle age at this point. He's mm-hmm. not like some like fifteen year old guy. And he's like, no, this man, Jesus, like he did this for me. And they kick him out of the temple for life. Mm-hmm. And you see it visually done where Jesus wasn't there at that time, but somehow when he's like just been like, kicked out of the temple, Jesus walks up to him and starts you know, inviting him to follow. Most of the time, people are like healed, and it's this great thing. This yeah. guy like gets healed. And, like, it's not it's, good. It's, it's worse for him after, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. That is an interesting story. That is a good distinction between that one and some others, because usually when they're they're healed, everything's good after. It seems definitely not for him. It gets much worse. It's kicked out of his culture, mm-hmm. kicked out of the temple, kicked kicked out of relationship with God. Basically, is what they can do. It's like excommunicating someone. Yeah. You're you're gone now. You well, can no longer parents, meet with parents. Wouldn't stand up yeah. in front of the temple. Yeah. Bad deal, man. What else? One more. Oh my God, the healing pool. Where like everything about what he's doing says that he wants to be healed, but he's giving Jesus all these excuses for why he can't be and he can't make it in. People are pushing him out of the way, and then Jesus is just like, do you even want to be healed? Can yeah. Be. That is good. It's this 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 man who's lame. And he's like, why aren't, you, why aren't you getting in? He's like, they pushed me out of the way. Which I, I used to take as like, what? Like they keep pushing me out of the way constantly? But then really, that probably really is the case. Like he, he, he might want to be a certain amount healed. You know, he probably really does want to get in there. But over time, him not making it in at the time when it's holy, in time when, it, when, it, when it's touched and it ripples, you know, then he must really have been so discouraged. Like, None of these people want me to be able to be healed, right? Everyone is so selfish that they push me out of the way, so I can't get in here. What, what is that? Like, that's, that's a tough life. When you've realized over years of laying by this temple, wait, or laying by this pool waiting for the angel to touch it as they, as they believe, that no one lets you in because they want their healing more than yours is, oh, such a tough life. And this is what I wanted to, us to notice. Is it people Jesus has interaction with are the huge swath of people. You have this rich young ruler who has influence. He has money. He has, he's, he has youth. He has all these things waiting from the world. says, you are who we all want to be, right? And there's all these limits to him, you know, what he'll do for Jesus. And then you have these, these folks that are blind and lame who the religious elite thought either they sinned or their parents sinned. That's why they're blind or lame. And so they for sure aren't getting the kingdom. And if anything, other people won't let them because they're pushing them out of the way to have it, right? You have this leper Jesus meets on the road right after he gives this, this sermon on the mount, right? He's coming down off the hill and a leper meets him. Do you remember this story? And the leper's saying, please, please heal me, which he could be stoned for coming to this religious leader unclean. They could kill him because now the religious leader can't religiously lead because he has to do ceremonial cleansings and all these things. And Jesus asks him, you know, do you think... I can heal you. 
And he says, I think you can, but are you willing to heal me? Are you willing to be with me? Are you willing to touch me, to talk to me? Are you willing to do this? That's the question. It wasn't the power. They, they didn't doubt that. The, the leper didn't doubt that. Jesus just came on the scene. He doesn't doubt that he has the power. He doubts his willingness, right? And then you have the scribe, who's the religious elite. You know, not only does he have the scriptures memorized, but he copies them all day and studies them all day. He's not far. He's close. You know, you have this, this woman at the well who's ostracized for her sexual life. And, you know, even just diving into that story to where if she doesn't, has a, doesn't have a husband, of course in that culture she should find one so she can be cared for and taken care of. And even that is her demise in the culture, which is so sad. They force, the system forces that on her and then hates her because of it kind of thing, Right? Jesus spends time with her at the well in Samaria, which is the worst of the worst to the Jews. And you have this woman caught in adultery that gets thrown at Jesus' feet right when he's teaching in this holy area, ready to stone her, and he loves her. You have leper after leper. You have kids getting healed. You have a Roman centurion coming and saying, no, 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 you don't even have to come to my house. I know you're too holy for that. Jesus says, never have I seen faith like this. Go ahead. A Phoenician woman, right, comes and is witty and impresses Jesus because she's witty. And he says, ooh, nice. Your daughter's healed. You can go. Right? Crazy. (laughs) Right? He says, right now I'm teaching these other people. And she says, ah, but. Right? And Jesus says, touche. Your daughter's healed. Go in peace. All these different people have interaction with Jesus. We have Zacchaeus, a tax collector. That we talked about, you know, we've talked about many times. This person that spends his life cheating people, benefiting from it, and they can't do anything about it. He's safe to do it. Jesus goes to his house on the way to the cross. On the way to the cross. That's all he's got. He's, he's on his way to die. He's like, you know what? I should spend some of my last meals with a tax collector and all his friends, right? To the dismay of everyone. And I want to talk to two stories similar to that. So, Let's, let's go to Matthew 11 first. And then we'll go to the Luke passage. So, John, they were talking about John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, um, he's in prison. And he's hearing what Jesus is doing. And I don't know if there's like a moment of doubt or a moment of just insecurity from him. Or if he just wants his disciples to know who Jesus really is. Or what it is. But he sends, John sends his disciples to Jesus and and asks him, are you really the one that we're waiting for? Right? Maybe it's just a vulnerable moment in prison. Maybe it's this just, maybe he just, again, wants everyone to hear it. But he says, are you really the one? Tell us for real here. Be serious. Did I just baptize the Son of God really? Right? And this this is what Jesus says. In verse 4, go tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. The poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who isn't offended by me. Why would that be offensive? Why would all those things be something he should say, blessed are those who are not offended by me? Because, let's think about it this way. John the Baptist is asking Jesus, are you really the one? What if 
a Pharisee was asking him, are you really the one? What would they expect Jesus to answer? Can we do that? That's a weird question. Mm. No, I'm just a teacher. I'm just like you. Right. You're a little higher up than me, though, because I'm younger and newer. Don't worry. I won't contradict anything you said. Beautiful. Keep going. I mean, we can keep going on that. That's perfect, perfect, actually. We're about to possibly take over Rome at the end of this. When I'm old, not yet, when I'm old, that's perfect. That's perfect. That, that is exactly what everyone would have expected the answer to be. I know all the right people. I'm teaching correctly. I'm not offending your teachings. I have studied under the right Pharisee. I am doing things right. Your system is upheld. I'm playing a role in it. I'm against the right Sadducees because they don't believe in the resurrection, Pharisees. Or to the Sadducees, don't worry, I'm not sure if there's a resurrection to appease you. Don't listen to those Pharisees, right? That would have been the answer. But instead, what Jesus says is these are the people who are benefiting from the kingdom of heaven. He says, go tell John, the blind are receiving their sight. The lame are walking. Lepers are cleansed of leprosy. The deaf hear. Dead are raised up from the ground. And the poor have good news preached to them. These are the people I'm about. These are the people we know the real kingdom of heaven is at hand. The real kingdom is coming. Because listen to what I'm telling you. Deaf people are hearing. Blind people are seeing. People who are dead aren't dead. And I love, I love this. It's not the poor have become rich, is it? The poor have someone going and speaking to them. The poor have good news preached to them. The kingdom of heaven, oh, John the Baptist, in prison, don't you worry. It is at hand. It is happening in the midst of you. I know it is dark where you are. It is hard where you are. You're about to be killed so very soon. But just know, in the world, this is happening. I'm not just teaching nice things. I'm not just becoming very popular. I'm not becoming wealthy. I'm not this and this and this. The kingdom is happening. The kingdom. He goes on, and he talks about John the Baptist some, and then he says in verse 16, and we've, we've went through this passage, so I'm not going to keep going on to it too much, but it says, but to who shall I compare this generation? It's like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to their playmates. We played the flute for you, and you didn't dance. We sang the dirge, and you did not mourn. For John came, neither eating or drinking, and they say he has a demon. The Son of Man came, eating and drinking, and they say, look at him, a drunkard and a glutton, a friend of tax collectors. And sinners, yet I tell you, wisdom is justified by her deeds. Right? We've talked about this idea of we, we played the flute and you didn't dance. We sang the dirge and you didn't mourn. This idea that, that the generation didn't know how to be a part of itself. Right? Like someone has a party, they're singing, they're happy. And the, the culture doesn't know to be happy. To sing, go, celebrate. You know? Your neighbor's quinceanera is happening. Go, give them a gift. Go dance. Be ridiculous at the quinceanera. Right? He says, and then you didn't understand either because we played a dirge and you didn't mourn. Your neighbor's mother passed away and you gave no note of sympathy even. You couldn't find it in you to go and be sad with yourself, with your own flesh, with your culture. He says, so yeah, you're so confused. 
You have no idea what is right because when they play the flute, you can't even dance. When they sing the dirge, you can't even find it in yourself to mourn. How would you know if John the Baptist has a demon? How would you know if Jesus is a drunkard and a glutton, right? It's this idea of of play a part of the culture around you. Play a part in the world at hand with you. Play a part with those who are mourning, who are depressed, who are too blue, right? Go sing the dirge with them. And those celebrating, yes, they may not celebrate like you, or you may be too stressed out to celebrate, or whatever it is, go party a little, please, for the love, Jesus says. He says, look, what did you want? John the Baptist was of the monastery type of folks. He was of the, he was of the, um, oh, we talked about this the other day, I can't think of the name of it, of the Qumran people. He was of the ones burying scrolls in caves. He was that one who ate locusts and honey and had camel hair clothing, and you said he had a demon. He wasn't, he wasn't in culture enough for you. He says, I'm with the people, and you say, I drink too much, and I eat too much, that I don't fast enough, that I make wine out of water. You're mad at me for that. You don't know who to be with. Because you may think you're being religious in your judgment of people. You may think, oh, no, that person... Is too flippant with themselves. Or that person, oh, they're too extreme with their religion. He says, look what you're saying. You're not going to be happy with anyone. You just don't love people. <laughs> that's, the, that's the answer of that. That is why. These Pharisees, you just can't love anyone. You're about to kill John the Baptist because he was extremely religious. You're about to kill me because I'm really fun. That's not really why. That's not really why. That's, that's kind of the argument here, though. Not, you know what I mean. I'm being flippant about it. But really. He's just not happy with anyone. You don't love anybody. You only love you. And the monochromatic yous, that's who you love. Other Pharisee. Even them, you want to get ahead of them. And I just, I want us to, to think of Jesus and his life there. And this wide range of people he knows and loves and who benefits from his kingdom that he brings. And I just, I want us to look at our life and it, at our jobs. It looks so different for so many of us, right? My job, I can either stress and spend time wanting every architect in the city to think I'm the very best builder for them that Cook Construction, the company I work for, is who they should know. I should know every builder and every architect, and they should love us. Or, or employees of Cook Construction can know their painters' kids' names. We can spend time. Hopefully, we can do both. But it's going to come down to you can't. And which one are we going to be about, right? Am I going to know a random trim carpenter's son's name, who's trying to get into this school and he's so stressed about it, he just having a hard time at work just because it's, the money is so tight trying to get this kid and get him this opportunity he didn't have and could I be a part of that? Could I know about it? Could I pray for him? Could I ask about it? Could I do that? Or could I be so concerned with the details of some home that I can't think of that, that I don't have time for that, that that can't be in my scope? 
could you be so worried about being the top salesman and not top four, the three, three I think. Could you be so worried about that, so concerned that every bit of your brain is preoccupied with that and that your, your coworker's mother who just, they found out she has cancer and he can't tell everyone but he's distracted, can you notice, you know? It's that, it's that for us. Can we do that? Can we be those who know when to sing the dirge? Or do we just not hear it? Are you getting invited to the birthday parties of your neighbors, you know? Are we, are we even that fun <laughs> to where they want to invite us to come over and watch boxing? You know? Are, are, we, are we enough in their lives that they want us around? Because they all wanted Jesus around. Everyone invited him to things. I mean, the Pharisees, they invited him too at first. And then he wasn't really their type. But let's look at this story. Similar, very, very similar story. In Luke 5, in verse 27, it says, After this he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at a tax booth. Okay, so what does the tax collector do again? Let's discuss that. Besides collecting taxes, if one of you says that, I'm going to chop you. Like, obviously he collects taxes. In what way does he do that? Meg was ready. Meg was ready to be like, I think he takes people's taxes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was like, I don't know why I'm so confused. Right. Right, 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 right. Tax collector Levi. No shame. But what does the tax collector do at that booth? What is that person doing? You can answer. You can answer. There's no shame. I heard my mother answer someone. Oh. Right. It's like a, a mobile booth even. Or the booth is on a prominent road where to enter this place, you're going to either have to prove you've paid or you're going to have to pay right then. So it is kind of like this serious shakedown. Okay, it's not just one guy, this, this unimpressive individual being like, you, with a monocle, being like, have you paid, you know? Because everyone would be like, no. Or they'd beat him up and stomp his monocle and take all the money from him. That's not the situation. Usually that person has Roman soldiers with him, right? And they are, they are a very frightening figure. Because if you don't have money, you better not go that way. You better not go that way. You're going to get put in prison on the spot for not having the money to pay. So you either cannot enter that place, or if they come to your door, you are in a bind. You are in a bind. What else does that tax collector do? He's typically from that same culture. So he's gone over to the Roman side, and they give him a level at which he has to bring in money, and that his job or his money comes from whatever he takes on top. Right. He doesn't get paid. He's not like a, in the, on the uh, Roman city council of paid people. He's, a, he's Jewish. If he's a Jewish tax collector, he's usually Jewish. And he's going to his own people, enforcing the rule, religious, spiritual, ethnic, financial, governmental rule of this other power on them. And the only way he can make money is to take more of that. And they do. Very, very well. Usually the tax collectors are some of the more wealthy in a city. Do you think people like said person? No, they do not. They are the most hated of culture. You notice when they, when they talk about Jesus and they're like, 
Look who you party with. Who do they usually say? Tax right? <laughs> tax collectors and prostitutes. That's what they say. Those are, those are the ones that, that he gets ire from. You're hanging out with tax collectors and prostitutes. What is wrong with you? That, that's it. And then he goes to one of them's booth where they are cheating people. That is his like spot of business where he is actively abusing his own people and his culture. <laughs> and he goes there, probably pays. Other times, a tax collector comes to them and he's like, hey, they're, they're trying to get us to pay taxes. Tell them you don't have to pay. You're Jesus. And Jesus is like, just give them the money. Right? He's like, pay to Caesar what Caesar's. Give God what's God. Just pay the taxes, right? So he probably pays now, maybe. And then what's he tell Levi? Let's go. You are just the one I'm looking for. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. What is this? That is, that is really crazy. I mean, that is going to, in our world, seriously, that's going to the sex trafficker, to the, the, being very serious, that is going to the pimp on East 11th and being like, hey, you are just who we're looking for. You are it. Let's do this. Yes, you've spent your time abusing people. Yes, you've spent your time profiting upon others. But let's, let's go. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. That is hard for us. We should not act like we are so religiously inclined and so enlightened that that seems like a good idea for Jesus. Because it wouldn't be to us. It just wouldn't be. We are just as religious. We are. We would be ones saying, there are better people for you to get, Jesus. Do you realize that's Levi? Do you know what he does? He's not hanging out with the real tax collector. He is the tax collector. He's not like trying to introduce you to the tax collector. Jesus. He loves his job. Jesus says, I know. That's who I come for. And he goes and he gets Levi. Levi just says yes. Leaves his wealth, the tax booth. Leaves cheating people. Comes with Jesus. And then Jesus doesn't say, now renounce your former friends and your former ways. Renounce all these people and come with me and live a life. What's he say? Let's have a party at your house. Invite everybody. <laughs> Who does Levi probably know? Other tax collectors. He didn't have a lot of other friends, more than likely. Right? So that's what happens. Let's keep reading. Um, anyway, anyway, anyway. Anyway, after leaving everything, he rose and followed him, and Levi made him a great feast at his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others. I love the others. <laughs> Who are the others? His wife and children. Right? <laughs> yeah. His other friends. His, the kids of him and, and all of their wives. That is it. <laughs> probably. <laughs> I've not thought about it that way, but that is probably more true. The only other, in their mind, the only other people with, without shame enough to hang out with tax collectors. Right? That's it. It's the only people with just no shame with the culture. They've given up caring. The culture lets them in the temple. They're friends. They have any. Maybe they haven't cheated so bad or gave them a cutback. I don't know how that works. I think you're probably more right. <laughs> There's no others. It's, it's their families, maybe. 
And he has a party there. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled at his disciples. They don't even go to Jesus, which is interesting. Grumbled at his disciples saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? What are you doing? You could be teaching at university right now. You could be shaping young religious minds. What is wrong with you? You are spending time with those who actively have cheated you and your mother and your brothers and your sisters. You are actively going to one's house who's feeding you with the money they took from me. You're partying on my money. What is wrong with you? And what is Jesus' response? Jesus answers, those who are well have no need of a physician. But those who are sick, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And this is our Jesus. By the way, that's why he liked you and me. We weren't the religious he did a favor for here. We were the the tax collector and the sinner. That's us. It was the very, still too often, the very arrogant, very selfish, very, for whatever reason, entitled, because we didn't have a reason to be entitled in Arlton, Texas, but the very entitled young boy who thought he was a man way before he was. And thought he was religious enough to not listen to anyone and just do whatever he wants. And to be a complete jerk about it and to use that to get me ahead at every stage of my life to that point. And Jesus said, you, come with me. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is here in the midst of you and I. Let's enjoy it together. How in the world then, how in the world can we think that it is for some reason okay and even proper and religiously correct for us to only know people that are polished in the way we think we are, number one, or at least sounds enough like us or won't stretch us enough or just because my life, I just need some good friends around me that just, what? why, why do we do that? Yes, there are times for that. Yes, Jesus spent time with his disciples, his people, right? Yes, of course. Jesus knew when to sing the dirge. He knew when to dance for the flute. He knew when to go party with tax collectors and sinners. He knew when to just play tag with kids around and not teach for a bit and not heal anyone either. Playing with kids probably wasn't healing anyone at the same time. Maybe he was. But knew the times of the world around him to reach out and be a part of real people's lives, real sinners' lives. The one that was just married too many times. The one whose sexuality made them an outcast to everyone. The one who was a leper. Who, the one who was lame enough to have the culture ignore them because it's too much. knew when to get involved with those people's lives and just did all the way. Knew when to spend time 
with a naked man who was screaming and lived in the cemetery. He knew there was a time for that. And he did. And this is the Jesus that has two and a half to three and a half years here. And he's going to die. Three years to make an influence, to make his mark. He chooses it this way, this beautiful way. That is the way we follow. That is the way we are saying we ascribe to. That's it. And so we must to get over ourselves and get involved with the people who are really more like us than we think they are. Or we are more like than we think. So let's, let's think about that and pray about that. Let's, uh, let's stand together. Pray. <clears throat> So this, really, we're going to have communion. We're going to take bread. We're going to dip it into a cup. We're going to say, Jesus, yeah, we remember you. We're one with you. And as we say that, we better know who we are one with. Not we better. That's a bad way to say it. We need to know who we are one with. We need to know we are one that goes to the tax collector and the sinner and says, you're the one I'm after. Really. Eat with me. Dine with me. As we take the bread and dip it in the cup, we need to remember that, yes, that one who all the neighbors dislike because of whatever other reason, that's the one for us. That's it. That it's not the one that will get us ahead in life. It's not the one that will introduce us to the right people that we should be spending the time with. It's, it's the one Jesus asks us to. And we take it in the bread, we take the bread and we dip it in the cup and we say, we are one with you. And we, we say it, and we, we do it, and then we live that way.